It was freshman year of college. I had a car full of friends, okay, mostly girls. I had a car full of friends, and we were heading back from a late night trip to Krispy Kreme. Late night trip to Krispy Kreme, car full of friends, new friends, freshman friends. And I pulled up to a red light, and my friend Diva, who was driving her car, pulled up right next to me. I revved the engine of my 1997 Ford Mustang. No, it didn't sound like that was a V6. But I revved that engine anyway. She revved the engine of her SUV. And as soon as the light turned green, we floored it. 20, 30, 40. And then, in the rear view mirror... Red and blue lights flashing. I can hear the clash singing now. I fought the law and the law won. Apparently the speed limit was 25. And I got my first speeding ticket ever in front of all of my new college friends. And one particular blonde who I ended up marrying one day. Amen. Amen. See, God is able, right? God is able. But if I'm being honest, there was no reason for that stretch of road to have a speed limit of 25. I mean, there was no, there were no businesses around. It was just wide open. There was nothing. There was no reason for the speed limit to be 25. It wasn't like it was a school zone or anything, but that was the law, right? And I broke the law. So I paid the price. As Christians, we live under God's law, his law of love. But we also live under man's law. And that can be frustrating. It can be frustrating. And it can get complicated. Let's turn to Romans. Romans chapter 13 Romans chapter 13, we're going to be looking this morning at verses 1 through 7. And I want to give us a little bit of context for this passage. You see, the Roman Christians were living under a far more controlling and intrusive government than we experience in 21st century America. Far more, uh, in, far more rules, far more inreaching into their lives, disruptive. See, Rome was the, the epicenter of the Caesar's world political power. It all had its focus right here in this one place in Rome where these Christians are being gathered together to read this letter from the Apostle Paul. And you need to know a little background. A few years before this, the Jews and the Christians had been kicked out of Rome. They had been kicked out of Rome by the emperor for disturbing the peace. You see, the Christians and the Jews were considered outside agitators. And so they were told, you got to get out of here. And they literally kicked them out of Rome. But now they had returned. They were reforming their communities. That's what Romans is, is addressing, this reformed community with Jews and Gentiles together for good, right? The, our sermon series. And so they're getting back together and God wants to speak to this 
old, contentious relationship. This old, contentious relationship between the believers and their human governments. And so, here's what God says to them. Here is the difficult word that God says to a difficult relationship. It's in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities? Wait, what are you talking about, Paul? you got to be kidding me. We have to submit to these ungodly rulers? The ones who kicked us out of Rome? We have to what? Be subject to them? We have to submit to them? You, you know this new Caesar, right? You know that this guy, Nero, uh, has a few loose screws, right? It's only a matter of time until Nero goes crazy. Yes, God knows about Nero. Yes, God knows how messed up human authorities can be. God knows that these very same civic leaders are going to end up imprisoning Paul in just a few years. They are going to end up imprisoning him and putting him to death. Where? In Rome. The guy that God is using to write this letter is going to end up getting martyred at the hands of these civic leaders that God says, let every person be subject to. God's word to his people is simple, isn't it? Submit to them. Submit to them. Okay. Okay. All right. Why? That's the question we all have. Why? Why do we have to submit to them, God? Well, in our passage this morning, uh, God is going to give the Roman Christians, in that original context, and us today, a few reasons why we should submit to the governing authorities. Why? Why should we submit? The first reason is this. God is the ultimate authority. God is the ultimate authority. Look with me at verses 1 and 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. God is the ultimate authority. So what are these governing authorities that the Scripture is talking about? Well, it's interesting. I looked at different translations, and, and the, the, the original words here mean this, sort of the existing powers. And if you're looking at the King James Version, it actually translates it, the powers that be. You ever heard that phrase before? The powers that be? Well, that comes from the King James, and it comes from this verse. The powers that be. The existing authorities. You see, he's not talking about a specific leader or a specific person. It's talking about a power that is built into the fabric of creation. It's built into the way God set up the world. Look at what the scripture here says. There is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. They've, they've been set up this way. 
authority was baked into the creation. I can hear Tupac singing, that's just the way it is. Right? Even when things don't go right, even when, uh, we're going to get more into that, but even when things don't go right, even when the leaders are corrupt, they're the powers that be. That's just the way it is. You see, when God created people and placed them on the earth, he gave them delegated authority. Right? He said to them, have dominion. Do you remember from Genesis? Have dominion. Rule, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. So that's even before sin enters the picture, right? God has set up creation to have authority structures in it. Even before it got messed up with the fall, with sin, we were created to be in authority and under authority. We were created to be in authority. Don't miss that part. Because if you miss that part, then you're just going to be angry. We were created to be in authority and under authority. You can't escape it. So let me ask you, just to, you know, rubber meets the road. What are the authorities in your life? Let me suggest a few. Your parents. Your parents are the authorities in your life. Your boss. Your teacher. Your coach. The sorority leadership. The neighborhood HOA. Police officers. Government officials. These, and many more, are the powers that be. These are the powers that be. These are the governing authorities that God is talking about. And so God wants us to realize that he has the ultimate authority. That God has the ultimate authority. Whatever that list of authority is, God is at the top. Whatever that list of authority is, God is at the top. And what difference does it make to know this? What difference does it make to know that God is at the top? Well, it makes a difference because we know that we are actually obeying God, not man. You see, it changes our perspective when it comes to the governing authorities that I'm not obeying my mom, I'm obeying God. I'm not obeying my teacher, I'm obeying God. This means that we can obey leaders even when we don't agree with them. Because we have a different perspective on it, right? We see that God is the ultimate authority, and so I can obey these delegated leaders because actually I'm obeying God. Even if I don't agree with the speed limit, right? Does that 25 mile per hour speed limit make sense? No. I don't think so. I still don't think so. But submitting to it honors God. And God sees you. Does complying with an officer who pulled you over for driving while black... Does that make any sense to comply? No. But submitting to him honors God. And God sees you. Does your parents' 8 o'clock curfew make sense? <laughs> no! 8 o'clock, are you kidding me? But submitting to them honors God. 
and God sees you. God didn't say this was easy. Subjection to governing authorities, listen to this, is an act of worship. That's the perspective we need to have. It's actually an act of worship. Because God is the ultimate authority. We are actually obeying God, not man. And besides that, every authority that exists is accountable to God. Okay, this is the good part. All right, Every authority that exists is accountable to God. Because we don't always have the power to bring justice in every situation. Right? I didn't have the power to tell that officer, hey, this is stupid law. I mean, I could have, and then he might have taken me out of the car and things would have gotten weird or worse. We don't always have the power to bring justice into every situation, but we can trust that God will get justice. Why? Because God is the ultimate authority. And every authority that exists is accountable to God. Remember, Paul is speaking here about the legitimate design of government. Not the abuse of power by wicked men. He's speaking about the general legitimate design of government. So we need to be careful here not to misinterpret what God is saying. Because if you only read this scripture... In isolation, if you only read this scripture, you might think that God is commanding us to just uncritically obey every command that we're given. If you only read this scripture. But that's why we have to learn to let scripture interpret scripture. It's one of our great principles of reading the Bible is that we need to let scripture interpret scripture. Why? Because it's all God's word. And so I want to give you an an example, an interpretation, a letting Scripture interpret Scripture from the book of Acts. See, when when Peter and John, this is after Jesus had ascended into heaven and the church was spreading, Peter and John were preaching the gospel and many people were turning in faith. It was an exciting time. People were turning in faith to the Lord. But the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders were angry about it. And they pulled James and John, Peter and John aside and they confronted them. This is in Acts chapter 4. They confronted them and they commanded them to stop speaking and teaching in the name of Jesus. Stop it. This is what the authority, okay, the legit authority commanded them to do. Stop talking about Jesus. This was their response. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. See, God is the ultimate authority. That's the reason why we should submit to governing authorities, because we can trust Him. And there are times when Like Peter and John, we have to draw a line and say we will not do. If what you're telling me to do means that I have to break what God has told me to do, then I must resist you. All right, and this is where it becomes an issue of wisdom. And that's really not what this passage is about. 
But, but I needed to give you that context, okay? It doesn't mean you have to just unthinkingly, uncritically obey every authority. No, we, because, why? Because God is the ultimate authority. We have to do what he says. God says, preach in the name of Jesus. And if anybody says, don't do it, we still have to do it. And face the consequences. The reasons he gives to us is first, that God is the ultimate authority. And then second, God is working through rulers for our good. Look at verse 3. It says, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. God is working through rulers for our good. All right? God is working through rulers for our good. And here's the principle. If you do good, then you have nothing to worry about. That's the principle, right? If you're obeying the ruling authorities, then you have nothing to worry about. Why? Because rulers are not a terror to good conduct. This is a general principle. God is telling us that if we conduct ourselves as Christians, right? If we conduct ourselves with the fruit of the Spirit, with the, following the law of love, following God's law, loving our neighbor as ourselves, then we shouldn't have a problem with the man. If we're walking in obedience to Christ, we shouldn't have a problem with the ruling authorities, with the powers that be, with the government, with the teacher, with the parent. The list goes on. Normally, if you obey traffic laws, you don't get pulled over, normally. Normally, if you follow the teacher's rules, you don't get suspended, normally. Normally, if you do right, you are going to be safe, normally. A good ruler promotes the good and punishes the evil. Okay, a, and this is the way God wants it to be. This is the way God set it up to be, that a good ruler would promote the good and punish the evil. And teachers know this. I have a sister who's a teacher and a wife who's a teacher, and I know lots of teachers. And one of the things they talk about all the time is their plan for behavior management in the classroom. Why? Because kids are crazy, right? And so teachers, a good teacher doesn't want to focus on bad behavior. A good teacher wants to put in place a positive behavior program. Okay, and you teachers, you know what I'm talking about. I think there's a word for it, but I can't think of the word. But you want to put in a positive behavior program so that when a student is helping out, they're rewarded. When a student is quietly doing their work at their desk, they're rewarded. See, the teacher is the authority in the room to promote good behavior by focusing on rewarding it instead of punishing it, the, the bad. And I know from, from lots of teachers that this can be very effective. It can be very effective. 
And if you're a student in that classroom, you don't fear the teacher. Right? You don't fear the teacher. You love the teacher. You respect the teacher. It's a natural outflow of that relationship. And this is the way God set it up. This is the way that it should work. But not everybody follows the rules. The scripture in verse 4 says, But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. In the last chapter, in chapter 12, God told us how we should respond to evil personally. Um, Chapter 12, verse 19 reads this way. It says, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You get that? So when somebody does something evil against you, it's not your job to take vengeance. Right? It's not your job to pay them back. We're to trust that God's going to handle it. Right? God says, leave it to me. And now in chapter 13, we can see how God often does it through the powers that be. Verse 4, for he, the powers that be, he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So it's not for you to punch your brother back when he punches you. Let me say that one more time, in case my kids aren't listening. It's not for you to punch your brother back when he punches you. Right? Why? Because we leave it to God. But we don't just leave it to God. Right? But, 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 but here we get a little more information and we see that there's a, there's a proper authority that we can go to. And so we go to the proper authority and we file a complaint, whatever that looks like in your household. And your parent will punish the wrongdoer. And it's their job to do that because they have delegated authority from God to take care of foolishness. Why? So that children aren't just killing each other, right? Parents are here to manage those situations. And we do a terrible job at it. Because we want to be left alone. But what God has done is God has set it up that way so that there's delegated authority. We bear the sword, hopefully not a sword in your household. But what that's saying is the appropriate punishment... Okay, the appropriate punishment is borne by the one in authority, the powers that be. Rulers are God's deacons. That's the word here, diakonos. Rulers are God's servants, not officers in the church, but servants. But we all know it doesn't, it doesn't always go that way. Sometimes, as we are painfully aware in our community, the system itself is so broken and evil is so rampant that we have to appeal to an even higher authority. That's why in today's world, there's more and more accountability 
for those in authority. There's more and more talk about reforming police work, right? Because there needs to be more and more accountability. It's become a hot issue. I recognize that. And this is why people get out their cell phones when things happen. Why? Because they need to appeal to a higher authority. They feel like the authority that's over them is not doing its job. And so they need to appeal to a higher authority. It was nearly a year ago that we watched the cell phone video of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin holding his knee down on George Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes while Floyd was handcuffed and laying flat on the ground. An event that might have gone unnoticed, would have gone unnoticed in years past, was suddenly on everyone's screen, (laughs) right in front of you. Far too often, brothers and sisters, the governing authorities are not held accountable, especially in minority communities like ours. But not this time. This week, as you know, the jury found Derek Chauvin guilty of murder. God is working through authorities for good. God is working through authorities for good. And this is why we should submit to them. Because most of the time, they're doing good work. And even when they're not, we should still submit to them. Why? Because we know that they're held accountable by God, ultimately. If not even by the cell phone videos, they're held accountable by God. Parents who abuse their kids may never be held accountable in this life, but they will be held accountable by God. Because God is the ultimate authority. There's one more reason why we should submit to the powers that be. God ministers grace to us through the authorities. God ministers grace to us through the authorities. Verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Paul says that we should submit to rulers to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of of our conscience. Your conscience is your internal awareness of right and wrong. It's your internal sense of right and wrong that God has placed in each of us. And and back in Romans 2, we, we talked about how our consciences convict us of sin. That's how I felt in college when I was sitting there waiting for the officer to come to my window. I felt my conscience was pricked, right? I felt guilty as I was, 
when he said, license and registration, please, I was so nervous, y'all. I, I, I don't even want to admit this. I was so nervous. Laurie probably remembers this. She's giggling in the back. You can't hear her, but she's giggling. I was so nervous that I handed him my new college ID instead of my driver's license. And he looks at me like, uh, this is not a driver's license, young man. It's like, oh my gosh. I was already embarrassed. Now I'm even more embarrassed. My conscience was working. And, and, and it was, and it was the, the law and the authorities that created a situation for me to be convicted and to feel my sin. Okay, And so the authorities were ministering grace to me. The grace of conviction. And not only that, but God used this run-in with the law when I was uh, 19 or 18. God used this, this run-in with the law to minister even greater grace to me. Later that year, when I was home for Christmas... I was out running some errands here in Orangeburg, and I pulled up to the red light at the corner of Chestnut Street and Columbia Road. You know where the big white church is on the corner? I was heading down Columbia Road. I was stopped at a red light, and I was in my Mustang. And I had one foot on the brake and the other foot on the gas. And I was revving my engine, and I was looking not at my light but the light over here to see when is it going to turn yellow. When is it going to turn red? Because as soon as it turns red, I know my light's going to turn green and I'm going to floor it. I was just about to peel out and I hesitated. Maybe it was that experience of getting pulled over. Maybe it was a little bit of new wisdom. Maybe it was divine intervention. Yes, I think it was. But I hesitated. And in that moment, a truck plowed through the intersection from right to left, out of nowhere. A big truck plowed right through, running the red light. Because it was red. His light was red. I was looking at it. One, two. <gasps> the authorities ministered grace to me that day. The authorities that pulled me over in a stupid 25 ministered grace to me that day. And I'm here standing before you, I think, because of the grace that was ministered to me by that police officer. God ministers grace to us through the authorities. And so we owe them our subjection. We owe them obedience. We owe them our taxes. We owe them respect, honor. And when we fail to do that, when we fail to honor our parents, when we fail to honor our boss, when we fail to honor our uh, government officials, God stands ready to minister grace to us even then. Especially then, when you're convicted by your rebellion, by your disobedience, God stands ready to minister grace to you. Why? Because Jesus submitted to the governing authorities. 
Jesus, the Son of God, himself submitted to the authorities to make grace possible. Later in Acts chapter 4, I was telling you the story about uh, John, or Peter and Peter and John, I think. And later in that chapter, the scripture says in verse 27, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, all the powers that be, were allied against our Lord Jesus. And verse 28 says, to do whatever your hand and your plan, God, had predestined to take place. See, God predestined that Jesus would submit to governing authorities willingly and that in doing so, He would be murdered at their hands. Jesus had every right to resist the governing authorities. And they knew it. And they accused him of it. They wanted to trap him. But he said, no, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Render to God what is God's. They couldn't trap him. Jesus' followers had this revolutionary spirit. They were ready to take up arms against the oppressor. But Jesus laid down his arms. He laid down his power in order to take up the cross. Jesus, the king of the universe submitted himself to evil governing authorities willingly to fulfill his mission to pay the price that our sins deserved that put him on that cross our sins God ministered grace to us by ministering his wrath upon his one and only son, Jesus, on the cross through the powers that be. Through the powers that be, God administered his wrath on Jesus who willingly submitted to it, y'all. By his mercy, by his grace, so that we don't have to. So that we can be freed from the penalty of our rebellion. That we can be forgiven of our entire past of sin and disobedience to God and to the state. And of every sin that you've ever thought or done or will in the future, Jesus paid it all. In his one act of submission, we receive grace upon grace. His one act of submission, we receive grace upon grace. And this grace changes us into people like Jesus. People who are transformed and being transformed, who can trust that God is the ultimate authority. And so we can submit. That God is working through rulers for good. So we can submit. And that God administers His grace to us through the authorities so we can submit. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. Thank you that, that this passage about uh, submitting to authorities which we don't like is actually about what you did. 
that you submitted to authorities in order to make a way for us to be forgiven and to have new life, to have grace, undeserved kindness. God, I thank you for sending Jesus to submit to the governing authorities. And Lord, I pray that you would take that truth and plant it in us and, and let us believe it and trust it so much so that we are transformed into people who, uh, people who can, by your mercy, be subject to every authority in our lives from the top to the bottom. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. And be glorified in our lives. Because you are the ultimate authority. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.